After almost 50 episodes of the show, we're looking for some financial assistance to help us continue making it. Our goal was really never to make money from it, but as it's become an enormously time-consuming process, we're hoping you can support us through signing up for our brand new Patreon. What's cool about Patreon is that you can support us for as little as $3 a month. Please go to EssentialPodcast.com and click on the support link to help out. While it's easy enough not to do it, if you've been enjoying the show, please pitch in. Thanks. And that the way the band's moving, the way the harmonic, you know, she's trying, she's she's reaching above the melody and then things kind of, the way she would float through changes that seemed, you know, seemed like sunlight coming through, I don't know. This is Essential Tremors. I'm Lee Gardner. I'm Matt Byers. The idea behind this show is to have musicians and other creators talk about songs that shaped who they are. We're not looking for favorite songs necessarily. We're also not looking for songs that they'd choose to take with them if they were stranded on a desert island. What we're looking for are songs that have significance to them. Songs that might have changed the course of their creative lives or their lives in general. Essential Tremors guest, Mimi Parker, have, as low, managed to not only maintain a collaborative and marital union for the better part of 30 years, but to constantly forge ahead artistically over the course of their 13 studio albums. Somehow managing to sound familiar, but also intriguingly new with each release, the band has consistently retained the intimacy of their earliest work while also taking bold risks that continually endear them to new listeners and earn them ever greater critical accolades. Their newest record, Hey What, was released by Sub Pop on September 10th, 2021. The first song Sparhawk chose as being formative for him was Final Solution by Per Ubu.
pulled out pulled these out of the sky here. Uh, Perubu Final Solution. Uh, uh, I don't know that they ever actually put the song on a record. It's, it was a single that was on a compilation that I heard when I was working at this radio station, the college radio station actually here in town. I was, I was really into radio and took some radio communication classes and had my FCC license and everything. And, and that was cool. And I just remember just digging through the library and finding this weird compilation with, uh, um, it had like, it had like a live, uh, suicide doing rocket USA. And I think like a Wayne County single or something on it. And, but there's this, uh, final solution by Perubu, which I, I don't know. It just kind of, it just kind of hits all the, all my buttons. It's kind of, it's got this real kind of, kind of sinister, you know, the, the rhythm, the, the way the guitar and the bass are, are, are moving along. The, um, it just, it's just, it's, it's punk, but also like, we're going to play tight. We're going to play tight. Not like a funk. We're not making funk, but we're, we're, we're going to play tight. Cause when you play tight, it makes this feeling like, I don't know. Hey, I can't describe it, but anyway. And of course the lyrics are just so, you know, <laughs> the first line, the girls won't touch me because I got a misdirection. I mean, it's, it's like, the, it's like, it's like, it's like one line pretty much, uh, uh, summing up, you know, the, the, the angst of, of many. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's kind of intense, you know, final solution. You're trying to, I don't need a cure. I don't know. There's something about it. It's just like the combination of like, no, I'm I'm desperate to figure this out. I know it sounds like I'm giving up, and I and know it sounds like I'm suicidal, but no, I'm actually trying to figure this out. I'm trying to figure this shit out. And at the end, when he's just solution, it's just this. I don't know. It's it's this it's this perfect like I'm kind of walking around stifling myself all the time, but I can't hold it anymore. <laughs> it just it just loses it at the end, and I don't know. There's just so many things about it. I don't know. The, the synthesizer is great. I mean, it's 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 like sinister, intense synth, you know. Where instead of kind of you know, kind of uh, bright and zingy like like synths, kind of kind of kind of went in the '80s and stuff. But I don't know. That's just it's just a. I just always like that song, you know. I mean, you know, I like I like Perubu and you know, listen to the records and stuff odds and ends and stuff but um that's that single for some reason just it's just just really resonates with me but yeah. i think you bring up a really interesting thing in that you were talking earlier when you're in your description talking about the you know the dot 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 and uh the intensity of it and uh, I, I you know i think the word that leaps to mind for me is discipline yeah right and it's obviously paribu is so early you know, yeah. in the origins of everything. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, to, I, I see that as a, such a direct reaction to the, you know, this is a very cliched thing, but the flabbiness of like, you know, what do we call a dinosaur right, rock or right. whatever. Right, um, right. So the indulgences I, of the 70s there. Yes, exactly. They're just completely stripping it away to this very ascetic uh, sort of um, way of doing things. And I think it's an important, you know, kind of political statement. And it's interesting you know, I, I, as I play as well, there's politics to all these things, right? Like right. to what inst instruments you play, especially then, because it was a signifier, right. to what instruments you play and how you play them. And even like, if you're going to have a rack tom on your drums or like, you right. know, uh, that kind of thing. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I mean, did that, 
that does that idea resonate with you? Is that something that was part of your makeup as well as especially as you all started playing? Yeah, yeah. There's definitely like a kind of a a proud DIY aesthetic, you know, like no, we're gonna do it this way, and this is the way we dress, and this is how we present ourselves on stage. Yeah, there's there's definitely kind of a um, I don't know. It was it was weird. We 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 started out doing something pretty weird, and we 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 kind of knew that knew it was gonna grind on some people, some audiences, and and, and I don't know. We kind of we just kind of leaned in, leaned into that and let it be part of it, and and uh, let that sometimes be sort of the the doorway to to shifting people's perspectives or you know well what, what you say there makes me think of that i've always loved this title from uh i forget which black flag record it's a later one might be my war right. or something but it's like oh big. remember that song yeah, yeah. the process the pro- process of weeding out oh yeah i think that's on that which is in, in <laughs> wow yeah, which is a which is a you know an instrumental, and it is exactly that is it's, it's exactly what that is. It's like if you can get through this, the rest of the then record. we're down. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. You're you're we're down with each yeah. other, and that's cool. Um, so I that's what yeah I could see that being the case, and I'm sure that took some some real guts early on. Um, well, you know we we're we we're filled with romantic stories and images of artists that, who had forged their own thing. You know, I mean, if you look into I don't know. You look into any history of music and people that really did something significant. I mean, they're at first a lot. Most of the time, a lot of you know people resisted what they were doing, or they were doing something that was so off the map that people didn't know what to do with it at first. So, part of the way, partly we were we were kind of shooting for that. We're like, well, if we're going to do this and we're going to make something, you know, if we're going to hang ourselves out here like this, let's do something that's really, really got some teeth, you know, and 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 because cause, you know it inadvertently you end up that becomes an anchor you know it becomes an anchor you lean against you know as much as you know as much as a sound or an approach i mean it's just you you lean on now we're, we're making stuff that gonna take people a minute to figure out you know yeah. oh absolutely um and as i said it does take yeah it takes some guts interestingly of course yeah i i i, I subscribe to that narrative too and history is littered with 10,000 or maybe 100,000 or more uh, bands who took that path and nobody ever found them either. So, you know, it's kind of, it's a mythos at the same time, but it can can work out. It can work out if you stick to your guns. The second song Sparhawk chose is essential to his formation as an artist was The First Time Ever I Saw Your Face by Roberta Flack.
I don't know. Growing up, we had this rec- we had this record in our house. I think my mom had, my mom or my father had picked it up or had it around. And I don't know why. Yeah, I had a couple weird. There's a couple weird like parent collection records like that for me. Uh, this record for sure. I don't know. And I st- I'm still I'm still a massive Roberta Flack fan. I don't know. There's something about the delivery on that song. I just remember really emotionally co- connecting with it. Very young, you know, even before I. You know, before, you know, Roberta Flack, Roberta Flack was was my Pink Floyd before, before Pink Floyd then eventually came along for me. No, she was, yeah, that that record was deep for me, and it was made me feel feel deep things from music when I was very very yeah uh, how old easily nine nine or ten years old I suppose and. Yeah, that one, and to be honest, the live Barbara Streisand <laughs> record that came out in the 70s. <laughs> I don't know, my mom played that a lot. I wouldn't necessarily gravitate toward it, but I, it, my mom would play it a lot. And I, I found, I came to the realization a few years ago that that, that was pretty dear to my heart because I'd heard a few songs like, oh yeah, I love, I love this record. But the Roberta Flack one was the one that was like, I would actually go and, and take that out because it was very special to me. and. The whole record was pretty, pretty great. I don't know. There's something like my dad, my father was into jazz. You know, he's in all kinds of stuff. He played drums and he liked writing and writing songs and singing and stuff. But he, uh, his heart was in jazz, kind of like Rosemary Clooney, uh, Tony Bennett. You know, uh, who's the other guy that? Uh, that that kind of style of jazz and and uh, so yeah that. Even though, yeah, Roberta Flack was kind of sort of more on that end, a little bit of kind of that end R and B. For some reason, it just really connected with me. And I don't know. You just hear her and her beautiful soul and her phrasing and her tone. It's just I don't know. Hard to put words to it. It's just it's been very special to me. Well, that's always the hard part, right? Is putting words to to it. That's why the music exists in the first place. Yeah. You know, we we wouldn't need the wouldn't need it if we had the words for it, I guess. But um, yeah. it, you were you said you're about nine. Yeah, I was about um, nine. So, nah. so what I I what kind of what were you, what kind of kid were you at that point in your life in particular? How would you describe yourself? Well, uh, we had at about that age. Uh, we had moved from uh, from Utah, kind of. A, Kind of a typical town, you know, streets, neighborhood, you know, backyard, house, neighbors on both sides, kind of thing. To uh, Minnesota, uh, on a farm in northern Minnesota, we're pretty, pretty rural, pretty far away from anybody else, and definitely a shock to <laughs> to us a little bit. But you know, it was romantic, and parents were sort of trying to do this kind of back to the land. They weren't hippies, but they were they were kind of like into. It was partially a Mormon thing, I think. Maybe there, there was sort of this self-reliance kind of theme that was happening in the '70s. That you know, a lot of people of my parents' age kind of took that message as, "Oh, we need to go out, we need to go out and live in the woods and be self-reliant and be, you know, raise our children in a, you know, in a more natural, you know, situation." And so, so they kind of haphazardly moved us <laughs> up to the sticks and and. Uh, so there, so yeah, so I farmed, you know, milk cows and milk goats and milk goats by hand for pretty much my whole adolescence and uh, pigs, you know, and had to work the fields and stuff and put up with bugs and 
and uh, cold and all that. But uh, but yeah, there's a corner of the living room with, with stereo set and record collection, and I spent a lot of time digging through that and listening to stuff on headphones. Um, one of the interesting interesting things about this show that we do is that, and this is my favorite part, is when somebody chooses, and this happens most of the time, uh, somebody will choose songs or a song that uh, is completely counter to anything their own work sounds like. That's what's interesting, right? Um, right, yeah, yeah. Certain unnamed people on the show and, you know, some that didn't even actually air where it was just like, the hard rock guy picks three hard rock songs. It's just completely uninteresting. Um, and to hear the Roberta Flack choices is, is very interesting. What would you say it is about that song if you really looked at it? it put yourself in, in the in, back in that mindset of where you were when you heard that in your living room at nine years old. What really resonated with you about it? I, I trust. I trusted her, and I don't know what. I don't know. I guess maybe I'm just realizing that now. It's I think yeah. That's it. I, I don't know. I just her voice and what she was trying to say, and I don't know. I trust. I trusted her. And I'm trying to think about like what I'm trying to remember. Like what did I what did I feel about her? I, I don't know. It's really. I don't know. Yeah, I, tr- I trusted her. I don't know. I can't. I don't know. I can't. I can't think of a better word. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's things about the song. I mean, you know, there's things about the song. There's melody. I mean, there's you know the. And the way the band's moving. The way the harmonic, you know, she's trying, she's, she's reaching above the melody and the and things kind of, the way she would float through changes that seemed, you know, just, just seemed like sunlight coming through. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, just, just her tone and the way, the, the, the picture in your mind that you have of her sitting there singing it just is so powerful to me. Yeah. The final song Sparhawk chose as being crucial to him was Should I Stay or Should I Go by The Clash. Should I go? If you say that you are mine, I'll be here till the end of time. So you got to let me know. Should I stay or should I go? It's always taste, taste, taste. Well, let's see. This is kind of following the line of more, probably a little more 
typical. Uh, the Clash. Uh, should I stay or should I go? I mean, I'll say that song just because it was sort of the gate. It was a gateway. You know, I mean, I you know I've got a bunch of their records and, and all that. And they were definitely a influence. Combat rock. I listened to a lot when I was a kid, but um, but it started with hearing somebody, somebody in I can't remember what grade it was had a had a cassette of some stuff they'd recorded off the radio, and they lived in a part. They lived closer to Fargo than I did so they could pick up the Fargo stations so they had, they had recorded a few songs you know just cassette just taped off the radio you know from the station that I couldn't couldn't get and I remember should I stay or should I, should I go I was on there and I remember hearing like what 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 is this what is this song what what is this and she's like oh it's the clash like I've heard that is the clash is, is the clash the one that I read about this is this is the punk band right is this is this, is this punk I remember literally, literally like is this punk they're like, yeah, I, I don't know. It's the Clash. I think, yeah. I'm like, well, I really like this. This is as good as I hoped it would be, you know, because I think I'd, I'd actually read about it, you know, like I think I read it in like there was a magazine that did an article about some, like CBGBs in New York. And I remember seeing this article and seeing a picture of these New York punks, you know, like in the late 70s going, wow, what is this? Wow, whatever this music is, I'm in. I just I just thought, look at, look at what these people are. I'm way into this, you know, because I mean, this is coming off of like, you know, I mean, I'm also, I mean, I should put Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. I mean, that record, I mean, at the same time I'm listening to Roberta Flack and The Clash, I'm, you know, David Bowie was was massive influence on me, even, even younger than that. But yeah, when I heard that, I was like, oh, oh, this is, yeah, this is me. You know, it's the same way that when I'd see a picture of the Spiders, you know, Bowie and the Spiders from Mars, like, man. Look at those guys. I want to be in that room when they're playing this music, man. What? Holy cow. What this? Can you imagine what this must sound like, you know? And then, but yeah, when I heard, when I heard it and was like, oh yeah, this is punk. I'm like, whoa, I, okay, this is as good as I thought. And I just dove and bought the record. I got the Sex Pistols. I remember finding like Susie and the Banshees, you know, hits. All this. Yeah. And I, I definitely kind of more went British than necessarily Ramones and, and, uh, and television and stuff like that early on. But uh, yeah, that song, that song just sort of got me, got me started on like, yeah, I think this might be a kind of a place I'm going to find some stuff I like. And just, yeah, just, it just felt like it resonates. Like, oh, wait a minute. This, this is, this is something, this is different. And uh, I could just kind of tell there's something trashy about, you know, da, 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 da. I mean, by today's standards, it's, it sounds pretty clean and typical, but I don't know. Nobody was, nobody was, music didn't sound that trashy. You know, you listen to that song, like the bass is just, blah, 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 blah. you know, the guitar's going, blah, 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 you know, kind of in the slaggy British accent and stuff. I mean, it's, it's, it was pretty revolutionary <laughs> what was going on the radio at the time, you know. So I don't know. It was just kind of the tip. And of course, once you dive down that hole, you're, you know, you find all kinds of stuff and it just expands from there. Well, I had a similar experience with that record. Yeah, because it blew up on the radio. MTV was pretty new. And that's the uh, same thing. We we're like, oh, this is punk. Yeah, I've heard of these guys. Yeah. And this is a pretty, this is something I can get into. I mean, there, there's plenty of other stuff that was classified sure, as punk sure. yeah. that would have been way, way not something I could have dealt with. But oh, this right. is like pop. Well, eventually, yeah, but not as an entry level thing. Right. right? This is like, uh, you know, accessible. It's maybe you're saying the same thing, but for me, and this ties back a little bit what we were talking about signifiers. I mean, 
then they become sort of role models. Like here are the yeah. rules, right? Oh, and yeah. you start to get other bands like they follow these rules, and then Sex Pistols follow the same rules, and then there's these other bands. And for me, that extends into the present day. You know, like yeah. forty years later. Yeah. So did you did you start did you start to think along those lines too, or was that just sort of unconscious? Oh, I was I was definitely I was definitely joining the tribe. I wanted to be, yeah, I wanted to be part of that. Yeah, I was def- it was yeah, I don't know if that says <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was I was I was reading I was reading the tribalism and you know, go like, oh that look. I was oh man, the punk look. Just, oh yeah, it was, it was yeah, it was exciting. It was not only the music, but I felt felt like it was like, okay, this is this is my like I said, the tribe is terrible. Tribalism now is a bad word, but <laughs> that's kinda it's kinda what it felt like, you know. I'm like, wow, this resonates with me. I'm I am going, you know. I'm all in with the the uh, that imagery and the the mythos and the approach. And <laughs> I was actually kind of wanted to like the rest of that record more, and I maybe I, I revisited a oh, couple yeah. years ago. It's not, it's, it's not super it, punk. It, no, and it's you know not all of it works in my opinion. I I think there's some great stuff on there for sure. The singles yeah. "Straight to Hell" is great. Yeah. Um, and I'm not a scholar on this. I don't know it in and out, but I did revisit it a few years ago, as I said, and I wasn't. I wasn't over the moon about it. On top of that, it is funny based on context. You know, you're talking about how rough it sounded and rough and ready, and and and. All oh, right, but, was, but yeah, it's like who, who it put it out? Polished for them. Oh yeah, it was. Well, it was also put out on like CBS, and they recorded. I forget where they recorded it, but it was a you know, there's yeah. a decent amount of money behind that record. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I know it's, it's pretty polished, and then I don't know. And of course, you then you learn later on. You learn sort of the the class politics of England and the music scene, and you're like. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I won't elaborate. I won't elaborate because I don't want to upset. Well, I, I'd love for you, you to, know. but I, I did watch <laughs> the Clash documentaries, one of them, I don't know. And it, yeah, there's always that. You realize, too, that yes, the machinery made that happen, too, right? This is not, oh, yeah. this is yeah. not news, but at the same time, the reason that yeah. you and I heard that when we were respectively like 12 or 13 or whatever yeah. was because there was a big marketing push behind it and they were yeah, trying to sell records. So yeah, so, and it worked. And it, it worked. worked, and maybe it that got us. Well, <laughs> we right, totally went in and bought all kinds of records. Continue <laughs> probably to. the best move they did. Yeah, yeah. People they caught, people they caught with the Clash are still buying records. Yeah, and maybe you know it's funny because those are all dirty words we talk about with marketing and like money behind it and all that stuff. But at the same time, maybe good stuff sometimes comes out of that, and there is quality yeah, stuff man. that comes out from major labels sometimes. So yeah, yeah. How you gonna how you gonna reach that farm kid and? Minnesota. Well, right, exactly. Or that <laughs> dorky dude in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but these days, you know, not to be all old man yells at cloud about it, but I mean, yeah, it's a lot easier. Well, it's not easier to reach oh, yeah. those people, but uh, theoretically, it is. Right. It's it's people aren't as isolated now. You're not going to get that that kind of hungry that hunger that that we we had when we were young. We did. We were scrambling for information about stuff and yeah that's that's, that's, that's well a there different, were different journey you know? yeah there were definitely barriers to entry you had to really seek it out and if you were lucky yeah, that, yeah. sometimes that made that it made it more dear though right no you question know? no question if you spent 13 bucks on it you were going to spend a little more time with it so yeah yeah we are definitely sounding old it's hard to, i apologize yeah. to the audience it's here. hard to find should I cool it or should I blow?
This has been Essential Tremors. Essential Tremors is produced by me, Matt Byers, and Lee Gardner. Essential Tremors is distributed by WYPR Baltimore. To get in touch, get more information, or buy Essential Tremors merchandise, go to EssentialPodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Oh, yeah.